All right, thank you for downloading the Cruise Control Podcast. You can find us on iTunes and on SoundCloud.com. You can follow me, the host, Randy Cruz, on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-A-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. This is Billy Corbin, director of Cocaine Cowboys and the 30 for 30s, The You and Broke. And there's nothing we love in Miami more than driving cruise control with no hands, steering with our knee, and not using turn signals, which is kind of what it's like listening to the Cruise Control Podcast with my man, Randy Cruz. So we got money in the bank this Sunday. We're going to talk about that with Graham Matthews, the WWE Bleacher Report featured columnist. He's on Twitter at Russell Rant. Graham, my man, how you doing? Doing great, Randy. How about yourself? Doing good, getting ready for Money in the Bank this Sunday. I know me and you are very excited to see what transpires this Sunday. Before we get into any questions and predictions and, and, and matches, um, everybody talks about the big four, WrestleMania, Rumble, Survivor, and, and SummerSlam. But do you, feel like, do you feel like the Money in the Bank pay-per-view is climbing up the ladder um, as far as being maybe the fifth most important pay-per-view of the year? I would argue it already is. I would argue that it's even more important than a pay-per-view like Survivor Series that has been relegated to being the kind of throwaway show for years now, whereas Money in the Bank, dating back to five years ago, I mean, the pay-per-view was incepted, you know, was, uh, was born six years ago in 2010, but ever since the epic installment back in 2011 when Punk won the WWE title in Chicago, pretty much every installment since then, some have been better than others, but pretty much every show since 2011 of Money in the Bank has been good to great to amazing. And I think this Sunday with the card that we have on tap has, is going to be no exception. I mean, I hear that, man. I, I really hope that the, the, the peer review uh, on Sunday lives up to expectations. I know we had a good um, payback and um, extreme rules following WrestleMania 32. So um, just remains to be seen what happens on Sunday. So let's get right to it. Um, we have on the pre-show as of now, um, Apollo Crews and Sheamus. Um, what do you expect from that match? And do you feel it's a match that Sheamus is going to let Apollo's Crews, Apollo Crews go over? I'm looking forward to this match just because they've never had a one-on-one match before. I think it can be good. Both guys are very good athletes, especially Apollo Crews, but Sheamus too. I mean, his character is boring as crap, and we've talked about it here on the show time and time again, but he's still a very good wrestler. So I think the match could be good. Um, I'm kind of disappointed it hasn't gotten much, as much television as it probably deserves to, just because I think Sheamus has been doing a lot of media rounds for not only the company, but also for doing the whole uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 movie, so he's been doing a lot of stuff overseas for that. So they really have not been on TV all that consistently, but it still should be a good match. Cruz, obviously, is a bigger priority. Sheamus, the same guy who won the briefcase at this same show last year, is now on a kickoff show, which is funny. But, uh, you know, Cruz should go over here. He's the bright, up-and-coming star. He has a lot of potential. He can be a breakout star at some point. He's been kind of struggling lately just because he doesn't have much direction. Right. But with a win here, he can kind of, you know, get in the right direction by beating a former WWE champion, establish some credibility. And Sheamus won't lose anything for it. I mean, he's been irrelevant for a long time anyway. So having him win here would be pretty much pointless. What is your take on on Sheamus, man? I know he was he was just a world champion back after, um, you know, at, at Survivor Series. He he forms the League of Nations, and now he just, you know, relegated to the mid card status. Have no idea what they're going to do with him or how to use him. Um, where do you see Sheamus right now, and do you think that uh, a, a guy like him with the talent he has can kind of climb up that ladder once again in the near future? The thing is with Sheamus, I mean, I was in the minority last year when he won the briefcase. I was happy for him just because when he came back to the heel right after WrestleMania in 2015, I thought he had the potential to be that top heel again that he was so many years ago. He works a lot better as a heel than he is as a babyface. But they really dropped the ball, Seamus. The biggest issue they've had with his booking over the past year is that he wins a match, and then he loses, wins, loses, wins, loses. Like every other pay-per-view he won at last year. Not, I, probably not many pay-per-views he won twice in a row at, for the most part. Even at Survivor Series, when he won the championship, when he cashed in, he lost that same night before winning the title later on in the evening. Like People just weren't going to care about it from the start when he won the championship. Uh, but I think with the new era of guys... Enzo and Cass, the Vaude villains, Apollo Crews, Baron Corbin, Dana Brooke, all these other, I mean, most of the male guys, but even the, even the women, too, this new era of superstars in the company. 
Sheamus is kind of taking a back seat, and rightfully so. Like I said, at this point in his career, a lot like with Dolph Ziggler, they're both very good wrestlers, but they've already been world champion multiple times. They've already been to the mountaintop. There's really no need, no fresh feuds waiting for him at the top anyway. They've already feuded with Cena and Orton you know, time and time again. Both guys should take the back seat to put over the future basis of the company, and uh, there's really no need for him to be another main event or not at any point in the near future. It's it, it's really amazing how one year can change where Sheamus was competing in the Money in the Bank ladder match last year. Now he's on the pay-per-view, but he's on the pre-show. This kind of shows you how one year can change uh, a guy's career. Exactly. I mean, officials were probably high on him. Like I said, they really wanted him to be that top deal for months. Era. They really wanted him to be a world champion, their next top guy. But it just failed miserably. Ratings are never that great. They haven't been great for years. Mm-hmm. But they were at their lowest when he was champion. When he was champion late last year, it was just the worst that Raw had been in a long time. And that was pretty much, they pulled the plug on that a short time later. They put the belt right back on Reigns. So, yeah, it really is amazing. Only in WWE will you find, I mean, just wrestling as a whole, will you find someone going from winning one of the most uh, opportunistic matches in the Money in the Bank and a year later they're on a kickoff show where they might even lose. So anything can happen in the company. Also on the card, we have the 45th match between Dolph Ziggler and Baron Corbin. Um, <laughs> again, on the pre-show, I, I, I don't know what it's going to take for these guys to wrestle on the actual pay-per-view. But, um, I mean, what to expect from these two guys when you, we've already seen the match so many times? Is it, is it now where we see Baron Corbin just really just skyrocket after uh, a victory over Dolph Ziggler on Sunday? He should. I mean, I, you know, Ryback already kind of trademarked this gimmick a few months ago at Payback or whatever pay-per-view it was. But Dolph Ziggler at this point is basically the pre-show stopper. The show stopper gimmick belongs to Shawn Michaels. Dolph Ziggler is the pre-show stopper. I don't think we've ever had a match in WWE that has been on three consecutive kickoff shows. In the few, just no one cares. Like I said, I love Baron Corbin. Dolph Ziggler's in that same category as Sheamus where he's a great wrestler. I like the guy, but he's been treading water for years, and there's really no upside to him at this point. I mean, could he be a world champion, especially now the brand split? Maybe, but I feel like Baron Corbin is a bigger priority. We've talked about him here before, you know, many months ago when we reviewed the show right after WrestleMania, that he has a lot of potential to be, I think, a top heel in the company, or at least in the upper mid-card, but he's not going to get anywhere feuding with someone like Dolph Ziggler, where they're just trading wins back and forth. So, I mean, Ziggler, he won at Payback, and then Corbin won the match at Extreme Rules, and they've had all these wrestling matches and blah, blah, blah on TV, and just no one cares anymore. Like you said, it feels like the 45th match. I mean, I, I, I say Corbin should win here, as I think he will, but I would not put it past the company to have Dolph Ziggler win just because. Just because. I mean, that's really there's no really rhyme or reason. I just feel like they might do that just to have him win the feud for whatever reason. Now, watching the... Um the the breaking ground series uh, recently and the 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 part where they called up Baron Corbin for the um uh, for the battle royal at WrestleMania and then now him being on another pay per view uh, match do, do you feel like they've been okay been pretty decent with the with the call up of Baron Corbin how they you know portraying him on television or do you feel like they kind of are, are dropping the ball just just for right now. I would say they're dropping the ball for right now. I mean, I mean, they could be doing far worse. The guy, he could be like Apollo Cruz. I mean, who hasn't really hadn't been doing anything for months and months and months and months and months and months, and he was just on main event superstars and whatever. Mm-hmm. So at least he has something of a direction. But at the same time, like I said, this feud has not really benefited him at all. But I think a guy like him, it's a bit different. He's a special case because he's not the most amazing wrestler in the world. He had to book him a certain way, like in NXT for the two years that he was there. He only lost maybe one or two matches. And so far in the company, he's already lost like a match or two. And he's only been here for two months as opposed to two years that he was in NXT. So they have to book him like the monster that he's destined to be. Like you said, I'm breaking ground. It's a perfect example. I couldn't have cared less about Baron Corbin like at this time a year ago. But through that show, I really started to, started to take a liking to him because he has this great personality. He just uh, He's a lot like Brock Lesnar that he didn't really grow up a wrestling fan, but he's very open and honest about that. And he kind of... You know, play, it plays to his strengths as a character. So um, if they can really kind of show that more, more of that side of Baron Corbin that we got to see at Breaking Ground in NXT, the guy's going to be a great heel. But it has to start on Sunday with a win over Dolph Ziggler. We also have the U.S. title match between Rusev and Titus O'Neil. I like the fact that they're giving Titus 
an opportunity for uh, a championship within the company. Rusev takes the belt off Callisto um, at Extreme Rules last month. Um, do, where do you see this going? Is it is this going to be uh, a, a multiple time kind of kind of match between these two guys and the direction, the current direction of the U.S. title? Um, is it better now that it's in the hands of Rusev as it was with Callisto? I mean, I love the idea of Callisto as champion, but they never really did anything with him as champion. He was on the kickoff show for three straight pay-per-views, Fastlane, WrestleMania, and Extreme Rules, and he just wasn't booked that strongly. I mean, he's a great wrestler, but they really dropped the ball with him. Rusev can be another dominant champion. He had a great first run of the title back in late 2014, early 2015. They can help him get back to that point, and his dominant wins over Callisto only helped his case. Uh, with Titus O'Neil, I want to think this is going to be more than a one-pay-per-view show, a one-pay-per-view feud. Um, it could be an easy case of them just having him squash Titus for now before moving on to Cena or you know even Cesaro at the next pay-per-view. Who knows? But that said, I would feel like... I think as, as many people who think that Rusev will win on Sunday, and I have Rusev as my pick to retain the title, I do think there is a small chance Titus could win on Sunday. It's a bit coming out of left field just because he just came back from suspension. He really hasn't done much. He didn't really earn a title shot. They just kind of put him in the championship match. They just kind of been feuding. It's not like he won any number one contenders match or whatever. That's just the company for you. But at any rate, with Sunday being Father's Day, and the, you know they, they even aired the month. They even aired the ad on Monday's Raw of him in the Father's Day ad with Roman Reigns and his daughter and whatever. And they're huge on him, obviously in the media because he's huge with charity and he's a great person and whatever. So I could see a scenario where he wins the belt on Sunday just because it's to capitalize off of being Father's Day. That said, I would rather see him stay in chase mode for a while longer. They're going to put the belt on him maybe by SummerSlam just so people can get behind him because right now people don't really have a reason to care about the guy because we haven't seen much character development from him on TV as of late. I like Rusev with the U.S. title. I think it was about time that they kind of reversed what they were doing with him where he, he, you know, he was a monster um, just just a uh, a full year ago, and now he's he's back on the winning ways, back on, on that monster road. Lana is now back with him. Um, they had the brief separation during the summertime, so they, they, they're kind of learning from their mistakes um, over the past few months. But I just felt that Rusev wasn't being utilized well within the League of Nations. Um, it, I think all four of those guys weren't being uh, utilized well in that faction, in that group, and now. You know, whether it's Titus O'Neil, it's Cesaro, it's Cena down the road. I think just for the time being that if you want to, you know, big up the U.S. title to not saying to where John Cena had it a year ago, but someone where um, you have to go in night in, night out and kind of say to yourself, I may not be able to win this match. Rusev is the guy that can hold down the title until a, a big-time opponent can take it off him, like like you said, a Cesaro, John Cena. But Titus O'Neil, I like the opportunity, but I just don't think that um, he's, that he'll be walking out with the belt on Sunday. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, like you said, hopefully with this ring, I would like to see a bigger name take the title off of Rusev. You know, he only won the belt a month ago, so at this point it's not going to really mean much if he drops it to a guy that really hasn't gotten much build on TV and Titus O'Neil, maybe at some point. But I do want to think that with Rusev the first time around, they did build him up very, very well. Obviously, he had one of the best you know, rookie years in recent WWE history. But the end game at the end of the day, we knew this months in advance was him losing the belt to Cena, just losing his first match to John Cena. I want to think this time around that they don't have an end game, which is good. They have like a long-term plan. But the issue the first time around was they didn't have a plan for him after that feud. And they just paired him with Dolph Ziggler in one of the worst views in recent memory. So hopefully this time around they have him drop it to someone who can really benefit. I mean, I know we got the U.S. Open last time, but this time around with Rusev, said they should have him go on a, on a tear against the roster before dropping it against someone like a Cesaro who could really benefit, who hasn't had, I don't think, he, I don't know, he's been U.S. champion before. But even still, I mean, Cesaro could you know, have a great run with that championship that he could have had at the IC championship had he won that at Extreme Rules, you know, last month. We had the women's tag team match um charlotte and dana brooke up against becky lynch and natalia so um charlotte beat natalia i guess two pay-per-views in a row um keeping her world title becky lynch was in the in the conversation back at wrestlemania dana brooke gets to call up just recently um 
Like, where do you see this going? Are, 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 are we all just waiting for Sasha Banks to get healthy and kind of take this feud with Charlotte all the way up to, to SummerSlam? You said it right there, my man. I mean, the long-term plan is to be Charlotte Banks at SummerSlam, it seems like. So all of these matches are pretty much irrelevant. I mean, there's no championship on the line here. There's no consequences. There's no stipulation. Right. I don't want to say I don't care, but it basically doesn't really matter who wins. I mean, I could see them building to a fatal four-way match at Battleground or whatever, but we've seen tag team matches. Like, I mean, we've never seen this tag team match, but we've seen tag team matches with the women before. So what's the real hook here? I know we have a star-studded card, so they don't really need to do, you know, Banks and Charlotte at this pay-per-view, nor do I want them to. I'd rather have them save that for a SummerSlam. And Sasha's perfectly healthy. I mean, people are saying that she's hurt. They have to wait until she's 100%. She wrestled at, like, the superstars taping on Monday. She's perfectly fine. It just seems like they want to keep her off TV before it's time to put her back in the title picture. So hopefully that comes in time for SummerSlam. But in the meantime, though, uh, as far as this match goes, I mean, it should be fine. I mean, like I said, there's really nothing on the line, so it doesn't matter who wins. But they did tease tension between Charlotte and Dana on Monday's Raw, which leads me to believe they'll have them lose here, give Natalia her big win that she didn't get extreme roles or payback. She doesn't have to win the championship. So it's a win-win. And then they could probably do a fatal four-way title match at Battleground before, as you said, moving into Sasha and Charlotte in time for SummerSlam. No, I mean, it, it, it does kind of look, you know, that they may not be knowing what they're doing. And what I mean by that is the fact that Charlotte just got rid of Ric Flair uh, weeks ago. Now, all of a sudden, she's having some sort of back-and-forth thing with Dana Brooke. Um, still, there's no clear indication of what Dana Brooke is supposed to be doing with Charlotte. Um, back to Flair, when Charlotte dumped Flair, uh, telling him to whatever she said, um, that she can win without him and stuff like that. Did, did you feel like that kind of came out of left field? Or was it you know necessary to not have Flair in her corner? And do you feel like Flair down the road um, is going to get retaliation on Charlotte for that? I mean, absolutely came out of left field. I mean, there was really no bills for it. I mean, it planted the seed for the before, but like the earlier the night prior, it's not like Ric Flair did anything to help her. You know, to, to, for her to cost her championship or interfere in the match. He did exactly right. what it's supposed to do. They were celebrating at the end of the night. So the, the swerve, quote-unquote, that saw her kick him to the curb a few weeks ago really came out of nowhere. And that wasn't the worst thing. I mean, Charlotte's going to be fine by herself. She's, you know, done really well as a single heel, the lead heel in the division right now. So she'll be perfectly fine. But that said, I, just, I mean, the whole story of this match is really all over the place. I mean, exactly. yeah, it was basically, it was originally Becky versus Emma. Emma gets hurt, so Dana Brooke comes in and doing that feud. They kind of interrupted that. They put Dana with Charlotte, which they didn't really explain why. I mean, Charlotte did say in Monday's Raw that she's helping mentor her and she wants to be a part of her legacy, blah, blah, blah. They didn't really explain that relationship, so they kick Ric Flair to the curb. They shoved that replay down her throat for like three weeks, and he hasn't showed up since. And I'm hoping he doesn't, because I don't really want him to take center stage in the division that doesn't really need him. So, I mean, I hope that's the end of the Ric Flair thing, but I don't think it is because they brought it up every single week since it happened, so they're probably leading to something. And then Natalia's just kind of there, and Becky Lynch got involved. So it, it's really all over the place. Like I said, I think they have all the real key components in place for a great women's division, and they did. I mean, when we talked right before WrestleMania, that match to me was the most exciting match on the show, the women's triple threat. But ever since then, they're kind of in a holding pattern before Sasha comes back. So hopefully after this tag team match takes place, and they move past the Ric Flair stuff, which I think will lead to something. It shouldn't, but it probably will. They can kind of set their sights back on the title of Sasha and Charlotte. We're chatting with Graham Matthews. He's on Twitter at WrestleRant, WWE Bleacher Report featured columnist. We're talking about Money to Bank this Sunday on the WWE Network. Um, the Fatal 4-Way Tag Team title match. I think this is a match that can you know, steal the show along with the... The money, uh, money in the bank ladder match, along with the world title match and Cena and AJ. So the card on paper looks pretty stacked, but the tag title match: New Day, Vault Villains, Enzo and Cass, and Gallows and Anderson, um, and Anderson. Is it, Graham? Is it is the time up for the New Day to drop the tag team championship? And if it is, who needs the tag team championship more? I mean, any one of these four teams could realistically walk out as champion, which I love about this card, because basically, for the most part, in the top few matches that we're about to talk about, 
any of these teams, any of these people could go over. It's not one obvious outcome. With this match, I mean, even the Vaude Villains, I can see them throwing a bone. I mean, I'm not a huge Vaude Villains fan, but they've really grown on me since they came up to me in roster. They've been doing a lot better here, weirdly enough, than they were in NXT. Um, even Gallows and Anderson have been doing great. Then you have uh, Enzo and Cass, who are, in my opinion, one of the most overacting entire roster, including with the New Day. And New Day's just been killing it ever since summer, some of the one that originally. So they keep on mentioning on TV, they're one month away from breaking the record. Now, I don't know if they break the record before Battleground, after Battleground, whatever. But uh, if they lose here, then it's over. I and mean, they won't break the record. I really, really want to see them break the record just because they deserve it. They've had a great run as, champion, as champions for the past 10 months. That said... I'm going to go off on a limb and say Gallows and Anderson win it here. I mean, they don't have to win. They're not going to be buried if they lose here, obviously. No one's going to be buried. It's a fatal four-way tag team title match. No one's going to be ruined coming out of this thing. They could, they will be champions before long, but I just, for some reason, feel like they will win on Sunday. Maybe AJ beats Cena, which we'll talk about momentarily, and it's like a club-filled night where he beats Cena. They win the tag titles and whatever else, and then you get New Day in the club going into the summer, which they teased before. So they kind of see that coming out of the uh, Extreme Rules pay-per-view, so I could see them doing that match or feud going into the summer. Um, so until then, I mean, I, would, I want to see New Day retain. They could still do that feud with New Day as champions. But uh, I feel like the club's going to take the titles and you put New Day in chase mode going into SummerSlam. So um, refresh uh, something for me. Who has that longest title reign again? It was Kendrick and... Um... London, yep. Kendrick and wow, <laughs> man, I was oh my god, I was so long time ago. I was like what oh six oh seven. Yeah, I think it was. That's when they held the belts for you, pretty much a decade ago, from oh six to oh seven is when they dropped it. Yep. So now, so now, months. this is one long title reign um, in its entirety, or combined days of having the tag team championship. One long reign. I mean, I think they've already passed. Um, London and Kendrick, I think, were the previous holders as combined days as champions. Because New Day technically were champions for like two months before they won it, you know, at SummerSlam. They have the, they already hold the record for combined days as tag team champions, but they do not hold the record just yet for one single long reign, which is at 11 months, I think. 330 days, something along that, those lines, something crazy like that. Now, 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 part of me wants to say the New Day wins on Sunday because if you notice on Raw, they had. Um, Charlotte lose to Paige and she is the women's champion and they had the New Day lose um, to Gallows and, and, and Anderson and the Void Villains in that eight-man tag match on Monday. So I'm thinking Charlotte, obviously her team would get the win and New Day, since they lost on Monday, uh, would get the, the victory on Sunday. But, you know, if they happen to lose, uh, I just don't think it's time for Enzo and Cass just yet. Um, the Vaude villains as a character to, uh, together, um, I think they can do something with the tag titles. But I like your idea of the whole night just being the club. AJ going over Cena and Gallows and, and Anderson win the, the, the tag team championship. But I think if they, if they keep mentioning their record, there's a reason why they keep mentioning it. And the fact that they want New Day to break the... The same thing with, with uh, Nikki Bella and, um, and AJ Lee. They kept saying Nikki Bella is... <coughs> You know, so-and-so days away from breaking A.J. Lee's record. And by the time you knew it, she broke the record, but then she lost like like the month later after that. So um, yeah. that's the that's the reason why I think New Day w- will win until they break their record. And then maybe at the Battleground or SummerSlam pay-per-view, they do a big-time matchup and um, lose to Gallows and Anderson or Enzo and Cass. You know, SummerSlam will be in Brooklyn, so the crowd will be crazy. Um for for that match, so it remains to be seen. But I think the new day goes over, but 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 not by a lot. Yeah, no, I mean I think you said right there. SummerSlam is in Brooklyn this year. I mean we were tossing this idea around a few months ago, and I still stand by this. I mean they could always put the belts in the club, even if they were champions at the end of the year. That's totally fine. But in my opinion, the match they should do is New Day, and it would make perfect sense because they won the belt at SummerSlam, haven't break the record, hold the belts for a year, from SummerSlam 2015 to SummerSlam 2016, and then defend against, not the club, but Enzo and Cass, and then have Enzo and Cass win the belts, because they were, when I was at SummerSlam last year, they were the two most overacts, both the entire weekend. Enzo and Cass would take over, and the New Day at SummerSlam, so I would put the belts in Enzo and Cass, because they are in their backyard of Brooklyn. 
like I said earlier, they're the most overact, one of the most overact on the roster right now. They've been doing amazing work. In that one confrontation that we got on Monday's Raw, like about the Steph Curry shoes and uh, whatever else, they were, they were talking about Francesca. Like, it was all this random stuff, but it was so funny. And they had a great chemistry in the ring together, which they can really capitalize on in time for SummerSlam. So that's the match I would do. I don't know if they're going to go in that direction, but that's the match that I would do for SummerSlam in a few months. So, Graham, I, I'll, I'll ask you this. In Brooklyn, if SummerSlam um, happens to bring out the match between New Day and Enzo and Cass tag team championship. In your opinion, is the crowd split 50-50 or leaning more towards one tag team than the other? That's a hard question. It's a really Very hard difficult. question. That, that's why you're uh, on here. Very difficult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a tough, always asking a tough question. Yeah. Uh, but, man, that's tough. I mean, like I said, they were the most overact at the, at the, the entire SummerSlam weekend last year. And New Day, it's, it's funny. I mean, I was saying this the other day, but they have not slowed down at all. I mean, most tag teams, if they're hot for like a month or something, they're just, just that hot for like a month or two. But these guys, even merchandise-wise, have been the best thing going in WWE for pretty much a year now, which is just pretty much almost unprecedented. They, they, they've stayed that hot and had that much momentum for that long. Um, but even by SummerSlam, even by SummerSlam, they'll still be over. I think it's going to be 50-50, but if I had to pick one over the other, I'm going to say Enzo and Cass just because they're from Brooklyn and they might want to see new tag team champions. Enzo and Cass, a lot like when Bailey won the belt in Brooklyn last year, they have never been tag team champions before. The story is there. So, uh, I'll, like I said, 50-50 is my pick, is my prediction. But if I had to choose, probably Enzo and Cass. All right, now we have the Money in the Bank ladder match. Kevin Owens, Cesaro, Sami Zayn, Chris Jericho, Dean Ambrose, and Alberto Del Rio. Um, I think that there was a tease of a seventh guy. Um, I don't know what happened to that, but uh, you know me, Graham, I'm a big Bray Wyatt fan. I, I was thinking maybe Bray would be the, the, the seventh guy, but he's nowhere to be found. Maybe he's still hurt. I don't know. Or they, they're just keeping him off for the time being. Anyway. Those six guys, money to bank ladder match. Um, how how do I start this? Uh, who do you feel needs the money to bank contract more out of those six guys? Let Let's start off there. Who needs it more? Who needs it more? I mean, yeah, there's a couple questions to ask you. Who's going to win? But who needs it more? Two definitely two different things. But in terms of that, I would say Kevin Owens, just because unlike Ambrose. Jericho, Del Rio, pretty much everyone else in this match, other than Sami Zayn, he's never really been at World Top Contention before. I think in the year that he's been in the main roster, he's never gone to the World Championship with the exception of like the World Title Tournament. But even then, he wasn't in the, he wasn't in the finals. So uh, I'll say Kevin Owens probably needs it the most. Okay. Now, who do you think ultimately wins? Because if you saw on Monday in the whole Shield uh, Ambrose Asylum thing, um, Dean Ambrose did tease the fact that if I win Money in the Bank, that I might cash in that night or just have the op- the opportunity to cash in anytime, anywhere I want. Um, if Dean Ambrose does win, does that give the notion that the potential triple threat match of a Reigns, Rollins, Dean Ambrose could main event a SummerSlam or can main event a WrestleMania down the road, knowing that Either Reigns or Rollins will be champion, and Dean Ambrose is going to pick his spot on one of his for, uh, best friends, former best friend Rollins and best friend Reigns, um, anytime he wants. Are, are we looking at a potential triple threat match between Reigns, Rollins, and Ambrose for the world title down the road? I think so. I mean, I think this match is so unpredictable, and the best part about it is that pretty much everyone in the match, all six guys, with the exception of Del Rio, I would not really want to see him win again, obviously. But everyone else, Definitely not. it's a win-win. I'm happy with pretty much whoever wins. But with Ambrose, it presents the best story, and it has the most amount of possibilities. Like you said, we can get a shield triple threat at Battleground, or at SummerSlam, WrestleMania. We can even get it this Sunday on, at Money in the Bank. Before the match even begins, Ambrose can come out if he wins the briefcase, if he wins the briefcase, that is, cash in you know, during the match, and if we can get the Shield Triple Threat match on Sunday, now I'm not saying that's what should happen or what will happen. It's just a possibility. It's not the first time it's happened. King did it six years ago. That said, um, Ambrose could go for the championship anytime he wants. Anytime he wants. So, like I said with Owens, Owens needs it more. But I think Ambrose, you have a better story there with the Shield guys. 
It creates even more intrigue than what there already is going into the main event between Rollins and Reigns. And we could realistically get that shield triple threat at SummerSlam. I mean, I'm thinking we're getting Reigns and Cena, but I have no idea that how that plays out, the brand split and whatever, we'll find out. And all three of these guys might be split up in the brand split pretty soon. So if they want to do the match, it's got to be soon. Um, they could always save it for WrestleMania. That's what I would do. But, yeah, I, I would say Ambrose is Mr. Money in the Bank is, is my pick, and he's also the best choice just because he has that unpredictability about him. He's a lieutenant. He's the, uh, you know, lunatic fringe and whatever else. So and he can kind of do what, he, what Rollins did two years ago when he had the briefcase when, um, when he was preventing from cashing and Rollins can prevent Ambrose from cashing in. So there's a great dynamic there. Ambrose is my pick to become the next Mr. Money in the Bank, though. Yeah, I think if you look back, the 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 recent the most recent winners of the Money in the Bank contract was uh, Orton, Rollins, and Sheamus. Two of those were heel at the time. Orton was uh, a face at the time he wanted. Um, so maybe a third consecutive heel and Kevin Owens can win it, or they kind of shift gears and make Ambrose the face win it. But I I. I I guess the storyline makes more sense if if Dean Ambrose wins, because then you could potentially have a, a Shield triple threat match. I we still don't know how the match with Reigns and Rollins is going to end. Uh, could be kind of shaky and shady. Uh, may, may not be a clear winner. So just the notion of Ambrose having that briefcase makes sense. But I like Kevin Owens winning. I I think you know just him, his whole persona, character, how he. You know, he, he, he does great microphone works. So it's just him saying, I'm the Money in the Bank winner and this and this and that. And just his, him just being cocky every every Monday and, and Tuesday for SmackDown and Raw um, would make the Money in the Bank contract mean just a little bit more. And Ambrose, the way he's been going with the, 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 the sense of humor stuff, it may not go well. But storyline-wise, I give Ambrose the benefit of the doubt. But if you want someone that's, that's really going to big up that 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 briefcase and that contract and just give the any slightest doubt that listen tonight might be the night I go cash in them you know that can make Reigns or Rollins be be on their tippy toes and their heels to act like listen Kevin Owens is out there like you know Dean Ambrose you know I just don't know when he's gonna cash in but I I, I like the idea of, of either Ambrose or, or Owens. Chris Jericho is going to be in another match and not going to win. He said he was the creator of the match, and and, and that was pretty funny on, on Monday. We, he's never won a Money in the Bank ladder match, even though he created it. We don't want Del Rio. Um, too early for Sami Zayn. Cesaro would be nice, but it'd be nice because he's been in that mid-card area for so long. Um, but I think it's either going to be Kevin Owens or Dean Ambrose. Yeah, I think so, too. Either one I'm happy with. I think you have the best amount of possibilities with both guys. Just Owens, especially, like you said, recently he's been doing some amazing mic work. He's always been a great mic worker, obviously. He's always been a tremendous talker, but just recently. His commentary on Monday's Raw was, like, hysterical. Like, best part of the show, which is saying to me, I thought the show overall was really good. But his commentary in the main event was just absolute gold. And the thing is, I feel like the best Mr. Money in the Banks are guys that you know can be and should be world champion, but they have never yet contended for a world championship. Like, they need that briefcase to get to the next level. Guys like Edge, who wasn't really in the world title picture before he won the briefcase and ultimately cashed it in. Rob Van Dam to an extent, CM Punk, Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan, guys like that you know that could be world champion, but they've never really been in that main event scene. Ambrose, he's gone for the belt God knows how many times over the past couple years. I mean, it makes sense, perfect sense storyline-wise. Owens, though, he's always been at the upper mid-card level, and even with SmackDown coming around now, he could be the elite heel of that brand if they gave him the briefcase and ultimately world championship. He's destined to be a world title, a world champion at some point, and that briefcase could get him to the next level. So either guy I'm happy with, like you said, Cesaro is my dark horse. Zayn would be amazing, and just way too early. I mean, it'd be cool, but it's way too early. Uh, Del Rio, just no thanks. And then who's the other one? Uh, who's the other guy in the match? Oh, uh, Sami Zayn. Kevin Owens. Jericho. Cesaro. Ambrose. Oh, Jericho. Yeah, Jericho. Jericho's been doing great work, too. Yeah, I mean, Jericho would be awesome. But like you said, I don't think he's winning just because he's probably leaving soon. So, um, but yeah, even he would be great, too, just because he's been hilarious recently with all the, like, the stupid idiot stuff and whatever. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the match. I think in ring wise, too. It could be one of, if not the greatest money to make ladder match of all time, which is saying something, but we'll see you Sunday. 
So now, quick sidebar. If I told you, Graham, you know, we've all seen Money in the Bank peer reviews and, and cash-ins and, and so on and so forth. But if I told you, really in no order, I mean, after Seth Rollins cashing in at WrestleMania 31, that to round up the top three cash-ins ever would be Seth Rollins number one and Rob Van Dam at One Night Stand in 06 cashing in on John Cena and Edge with the first ever cash in at New Year's Revolution 06. Would you would you agree with me or disagree with me the fact that those three are the top three cash ins ever? Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean I completely forgot about R V D just because his was more of a match obviously than it was like a quick cash in like we've seen before in the past ten years. But I mean if you're counting the match then absolutely just because the environment was amazing. I mean if you're not going to count Rob Van Dam because it's a match, I mean, it's still technically a cash-in, so you're absolutely right. Um, honorable mentions, I would put, you know, Dolph Ziggler, obviously, just because that moment was so surreal. Right. And, you know, Punk's maybe too. But uh, but Rollins, like you said, I think regardless of what anyone's top three is, Edge is absolutely up there, first one to do it, amazing moment, first world title, RVD, same thing. Rollins, though, same, you know, also first world championship. But just the way that it was done, his book so perfectly made event of WrestleMania, Brock didn't get pinned. It just told, and then we're still getting the aftermath of that moment today with the main event on Sunday. It all kind of goes full circle. So I can absolutely agree with that top three, especially number one. I think a lot of people look at the uh, the RVD cash in. It, it might be underrated to this day, and and I say that because like, you know, he was the first guy to say, you know what, I'm going to cash in, and it's going to be like next month or at this pay-per-view. He wasn't going to run run in the ring. Maybe maybe that's not what a a baby face does. He was a, he, you know, he was a face back then when he did it against John Cena. Um I think that goes, you know, very underrated. Everybody did it Edge, the CM Punks, um Seth Rollins, Sheamus, uh, I I think Swagger and Sandow, they all did it on 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 a, a run. Even Randy Orton did the running. So, um RVD's cashing goes a bit underrated, and I hope many people out there, one, recall that, and two, know that he was the first guy to really say, you know what, I'm going to cash in next month at a, at a pay-per-view, and then you got to be ready. And I know John Cena did it later with CM Punk, but um, that RVD cash in, and that match at, at, at one night stand in, in 06, um, just phenomenal. It's probably one of my favorite John Cena matches, and everybody in the building was so anti-John Cena. It's, it's, it's Mm-hmm. Just, just phenomenal, man. Really phenomenal. Yeah, that match is really something for the age. That whole show is great. One night stand, oh five and oh six. Um, but yeah, the moment itself, the match itself, Edge interfering, just everything set up, and it really sucks that these title reign lasted like a month because he got busted for the uh, for the wellness policy. But we just passed. Well, now that you mentioned, it's funny that you say that. We just passed the ten year anniversary. I think over the weekend of that match. I definitely got to go watch it back on the network pretty soon. Oh yeah! Wow! Yeah. Um... One night stand should should replace battleground or something because yeah I just can't stand these new names and, yeah yeah I, I know they got extreme rules but uh, recently you don't really see very extreme like stuff in a extreme rules pay per view anyway um, AJ Styles John Cena um, it, it's a big time match that a lot of people were um, are, are highly anticipating on seeing. Uh, Cena came back on Memorial Day, and we all thought AJ would just give him big ups on his return. He turns heel, which ultimately creates the matchup between these two guys. Um, one, did you expect the AJ Styles heel turn? And before the match was made, what was your thoughts on AJ just being a, a big time uh, face in the company and merchandise was being was being sold? Uh, turns heel. What did what did you make of that? The heel turn itself, I mean, it had pros and cons, because like you said, he, he probably is still moving merchandise. I have no idea. It's only been a few weeks, and he's been, you know, very, very well in that role. He cut and right up in the best promo he's had in WWE since he arrived here a few months ago. This past week, on that contract signing, was seeing just great stuff last week, too. Other than the whole, you know, Barry Connor, the bust comment where he called uh, Styles a bust since he didn't win many major matches in WWE. That aside... I mean, it's been two great back-to-back promos from both guys, so I'm looking forward to the match on Sunday. With Styles as a heel, 
I think it might be too early to say. I mean, I was a bit skeptical at the beginning, and I still am, depending on where this goes. I mean, kind of leading into my prediction, he's got to win on Sunday. I mean, the guy lost to WrestleMania. He lost the Royal Rumble. He lost back-to-back pay-per-views to Roman Reigns. He only beat Jericho Fastlane. And they're having him on the Stone Cold Podcast on Mondays or after Mondays Raw on the network. So he's got to have a big win at some point. I mean, they could always wait until Battleground, but he's already coming off three big losses. It's not like he's a loser. People still love him. He's a great wrestler. He's been utilized way better than I and pretty much anyone else has ever anticipated that he would be in the last couple of months um, since he came to WWE. So he's got to win here, but in, in order to win in winning, I think it's going to solidify his top heel status. And depends where he ends up in the draft. I mean, it really all comes back to that because if he ends up on SmackDown as the number one heel over there while Rollins is on Raw or whoever else, the guy's going to be world champion in no time, I feel like. So it really all depends on where he ends up. But um, I mean, it all depends on where this goes. Like I said, if he loses the scene on Sunday... And he's just fodder for Cena. Like it's pretty much like every other Cena feud before him, where he loses the first two matches or whatever, or he loses the first match and he wins the next. It's not going to be Styles any favors whatsoever. Uh, but the match itself should be phenomenal. Obviously, 15 years in the making. People have been waiting this for waiting for this for a long, long time, myself included. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out on Sunday. I think AJ wins on Sunday. Um, I wouldn't be shocked because. The same thing happened with um, Kevin Owens last year. He came up from NXT. He fought John Cena back-to-back pay-per-views at um, Chamber and um, at Money in the Bank. Kevin Owens won the first match, and many people was like, holy shit, like, did Kevin Owens just beat John Cena? So John Cena doing the, doing the job, I, you know, it, it's not surprising to me. And I think AJ needs to win. He, he lost at the Rumble, he lost at Mania, he lost at Payback, he lost at um, Extreme Rules, so getting a big win over Cena would, would be big for him, and the fact that him being heel, I maybe it was too quick, but I like it because he seems to be more comfortable, there's more freedom when he's, when he's on the microphone, doing the promos and speaking, he feels like he has more freedom to say what he wants, and as, as a good guy, you're kind of held back of what you can and cannot say and, and, and how you really mean it by saying it. So when he's talking to John Cena in the ring, uh, the contract signing, you know, on the ramp with the club behind him, um, I think it just adds a, a different element to, to his character. And I think he can now be more comfortable and more free in how he delivers the promo. So um, I'm glad Cena's back. We, we missed him since November, but... Uh, there's no way that AJ Styles is going to lose four consecutive pay-per-views in a row. And I know it's Reigns, I know it's Jericho, big high-profile guys, and now John Cena, but I think it goes, it'll benefit more AJ Styles than it does John Cena. And like you mentioned, AJ is going to be on the, on the Stone Cold podcast the next night, and I doubt you're going to have somebody who just lost the night before on the podcast the night after. So AJ should go over on Sunday. I'd hope so. And, I mean, thinking back on it now, too, I mean, like you said, he lost to Owens clean at Elimination Chamber last year. So it's not completely out of the ordinary if he wins, you know, he, if he wins 30 on Sunday. Nor should he. I mean, I'd rather just see him win clean as opposed to uh, win dirty. I feel like he's going to gain a lot more credibility, win over those Cena casual fans that don't really see him as a threat, and they should. But he's got to win. I mean, even if he wins dirty, I'll be fine with that with interference from the club or whoever, which I know they kind of hinted at that won't be the case on Sunday, but it still could be the case. I have no idea. But I'd rather just see him win clean and, like I said, not out of the ordinary because Owens did the same thing a year ago. I mean, they did the same thing with Del Rio. When he came back and held himself, like, he beat Cena in, like, freaking eight minutes. So Del Rio, of all people, Alberto Del Rio, could beat John Cena in eight minutes in a throwaway opener on a pay-per-view. I don't understand why AJ Styles can't do the same thing. Not to say it's going to be in eight minutes, but if, if Del Rio could do it, then Styles should be able to do it, too. So I got Styles going over. Hopefully clean. I won't cry if it's, you know, the uh, interference or whatever. But, you know, win, loser, draw. I mean, dirty, clean, whatever. Um, he's got to win Sunday. How long does AJ and Cena drag out for this rivalry? I hope. I don't know if, if it will, but the hope is that it's going to go to SummerSlam. Just one, because hopefully we're going to be there. So I really want to see this match in person. Yeah. But also just because I feel like they might do the same thing with Owens, which they cut short by a month. They don't, I don't know why they didn't drag it out till SummerSlam, whatever. But I'm hoping they drag this out till SummerSlam. If it's one and done, it would be a waste because people have been waiting for this for a long time. So they got to drag it out as long as possible. Uh, my guess is SummerSlam, though. No. 
And the main event, Roman Reigns defends the World Heavyweight Championship against Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins came back at Extreme Rules. Uh, amazing crowd reaction. Like, he was the biggest baby face in the company. Um, he had the heel-like stuff the next night on Raw. So we all know what, what that was about. Just the company wants to make sure that Reigns is the good guy and Rollins is the bad guy going into that match. Um, how do you see this playing out? One, do, do you feel like it's um, going to end clean? Um, do you think there is going to be an end to this match? And um, does Reigns have enough to beat Rollins? And do you feel like Rollins is you know, coming back from the injury uh, may not get the win on Sunday? I don't think Rollins wins the belt on Sunday. I think the long-term plan is, and I mean, I don't want to say should be. I mean, again, I'd mark the hell out if Rollins won on Sunday. But um, I think Rollins, or rather Reigns, as world champion going into SummerSlam is the current plan. Whether he's facing Cena or Rollins and Ambrose or just Ambrose, I have no idea. But uh, hopefully not Triple H again. But whatever it is, whoever he's facing at SummerSlam, he will go into that pay-per-view as champion. So that being said, I don't think he wins clean here, nor should he. I know he beat AJ decisively twice, but Rollins just came back. He's riding a wave of momentum. His first match back in six, seven months or whatever, whatever the hell it was before he got injured. So I don't think he wins clean. I mean, best case scenario, and I've said this time and time again over the past three weeks, there should be a double turn because Reigns is obviously bound to be a heel and Rollins, vice versa, he's bound to be a babyface. Will they do that? Probably not. I highly doubt it, actually, but it would be nice if they did because that's the direction it should go in. If anything, I could see Rollins starting his face turn, which has to happen at some point. People just want to like this guy starting Sunday. I don't know if Triple H gets involved. I don't think he will. I mean, there's always the chance. But um, bottom line, I think Reigns retains, whether it's a DQ, a countout, which would be kind of disappointing for a pay-per-view main event. But like you said, there, there's also the chance we could not even have a finish at all. It could go to a non-finish. I don't know, maybe they just brawl or something. I have no idea. But it's got to end on some big spot in order to send the crowd home happy, especially after what could be a really, really good show. Uh, but either way, I think Reigns does retain the title on Sunday. I don't know how. I don't think it's going to be clean. But uh, he will walk out of Money to Make still the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. I think somehow, some way, Triple H is going to get, I wouldn't say involved on Sunday, but if, if when when Rollins did the promo on Monday and it kept saying that I did everything on my on my own, by myself, no help, everything was me, 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 I think that was the plant, the, um, the seed to plant the, uh, um, the, the notion that Triple H would hear that and be like, hey, you know, <laughs> wait a minute, like, uh, you're not world champion, you're not any authority without me and Stephanie and J&J security and Kane always protecting you and everything. So I think right there, um, to separate Reigns and Rollins for the time being, you include Triple H so that he can go up against Seth Rollins at SummerSlam because the fact that I helped him and he felt like he did everything on his own, that's not, that's not how it went down. Reigns will fight Cena whoever it, whoever it might be, uh, Owens or Ambrose. But I think Seth Rollins, to me, uh, planted, planted that seed of Triple H coming back and starting uh, something up with him to the notion that, dude, you did not do everything on your own. You, we, we gave you everything we gave you everything with the authority and to me that's the only that i think that'll be the best way that if seth rollins is going to lose to reigns it'll be because of triple h interfering or knowing that he'll go into a program with triple h for the for the for the next two months yeah i would say that's the best course of action because i mean like i said i mean i feel like there's two potential cards for SummerSlam. one that we can get a shield triple threat I mean, AJ and Cena part three, two, or whatever. Or we can get a show where it's Reigns and Cena, which I feel like has been the plan the entire time. I don't know how they transition AJ and Cena into that, but whatever. So they do that match and then do Rollins and Triple H. I don't know what you with Ambrose, but that's the card I could see shaping out to be in the months to come. So I would like to see that feud. Obviously, I mean, many people would between Triple H and Rollins, and it's bound to happen at some point. It's just more a matter of when and not if. I don't really want to see them wait until WrestleMania because I feel like we should do the Shield triple threat there, and it's going to be way too long. I mean, Rollins has to be a babyface the next couple months, hands down. They cannot wait until WrestleMania. I mean, I could see it maybe at WrestleMania 32 this past year, but then he got hurt, so couldn't do it. 
So I don't really want to see them wait any longer. Do it at SummerSlam. And um, in that case, like you said, they did plan to see toward on Monday's Raw. They also teased towards it on Rollins' first Raw back when he was backstage with Stephanie. He's like, hey, what's going on? She's like, it's not really like that anymore, blah, blah, blah. So the seeds of dissension are already there. Uh, I would hope in that case, I mean, they could very easily make Triple H the babyface, but I feel like he would win in that case, and that should not happen. So Rollins should be the one to go babyface. People are already taking to him anyway. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like you said, I don't know if I see him getting involved on Sunday, but uh, I would rather, you know, I'd, I'd like to see that. It protects Rollins, keeps the belt on Reigns for a little while longer, and then sets in motion that Reigns-Triple H feud in time for SummerSlam. Now, you know, real quick, there was a thing on online that I saw earlier today. I don't know if it was true or not, but it was some well, Wikipedia result page of the Money in the Bank results already up on the Wikipedia page. And, again, this, 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 this could be no truth or whatever, so I saw it. And um, on the bottom it said Reigns and Rollins went to a, a draw. So, and then they, had, they gave other results of who won the matches and um, not saying that's that's the end all be all, but you know, let's just think hypothetical. It, it, in the event Reigns and Rollins went to a draw, would that be the the right or perfect way to say, you know what, Reigns did not beat Rollins, but Rollins did not lose to Reigns, so we can keep this going, or now we can do the separation of the parts of Reigns goes into a different feud with somebody else and Rollins goes in with Hunter, but knowing that their original match um, at Money in the Bank did not end with a winner. I mean, one, did you see what I'm talking about online? I saw something along, I mean, I saw what you're talking about. I didn't see the result itself, but I saw like what culture post something about it. So I know what you're talking about. Okay. And I wouldn't put much, I wouldn't put much stock in it just because one, it's Wikipedia, obviously. And then two, yeah, they change plans like on the day of the show, and it's only Wednesday. So I mean, I wouldn't put much stock in much of whatever was written, just because. Like I remember, like a couple of years ago, when McIntyre was supposed to win Money in the Bank originally, like for weeks on end before they changed the cane, like the day of the show. Um, but that said, though, with, with Rollins and uh, with Rollins and Reigns on Sunday, a draw would be fine. Like I said, a non-finish I wouldn't hate. It's just a matter of how it's done. Like if they both get steel chairs and start attacking each other, and the match gets thrown out. The crowd's going to crap all over. Like, it's got to be done with some big angle, like Rollins, kind of, you know, like jumping off the time front. It's something big has to happen to close the show. If there's a non-finish, that's all right. But they got to end the show on some big cliffhanger, some big move or something. So it's not like, oh, that's it. You know, like, they feel like people wasted their money or whatever. So um, not out of the question, but it's got to be done right, though. What about the, <laughs> the old school, traditional... Um, time limit draw. <laughs> it could. I mean, the thing is with that, I love the idea of a time limit draw, but they haven't mentioned it or brought it up. They haven't done one. I don't think. Oh yeah, years, years. I mean, it'd be great, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I just, you know, the way seeing seeing the way Reigns won over AJ at Payback and Extreme Rules, and there was mega interference going on in Payback, and um, he he. He beat, you know, he beat AJ in that one. He beat AJ at Extreme Rules. And, I mean, I got to tell you, if, if Reigns could be the greatest superstar of all time if he beats AJ Styles and Seth Rollins in back-to-back pay-per-views. I mean, it's going to be like, all right, you know. Triple H, too. Yeah, tri- Triple H, AJ Styles, back-to-back, and Seth Rollins. <laughs> then my thing is, damn, the, who, who else is left? <laughs> Yeah, John Cena. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, Reigns Rain, is, is John <laughs> Cena two point Yeah, no, that's crazy. I mean, he, they're really trying to make him out to be the guy, as he said, or the guy, not not a bad guy, not whatever he says. But uh, no, I could see that happening come SummerSlam. Yeah, I, you know, it, his reign, no pun intended. Reigns' reign is similar to John Cena's. Reign back in 06, 07, where he was beating Triple H and Shawn Michaels and just Batista, everybody that was that was thrown in his way. Mm-hmm. I'm like, John Cena could really beat Shawn Michaels and Triple H and make Triple H tap out at a WrestleMania and beat Batista yeah. and Chris yeah. Jericho. And it's like, dude, he had the belt for like a year and a half, and now I think we might be getting that with 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 uh, with Reigns. We could. I mean, like I said, it all depends on how it plays out, the brand split. So, 
Um, you could drop it before then, but even if it's Reigns and Cena at SummerSlam, I'm not even saying that Cena's going to win. I mean, I could see him beating Cena just to solidify him as the guy or whatever they're trying to call him. But it, it's I, you know when people ask me that right after WrestleMania, could we see could we be seeing a long reign from Roman Reigns? I said no, but I didn't never know. I mean, there's people that are more over than him, obviously, but they're really adamant on making Roman Reigns the guy. The last time we saw that was with John Cena, like you said, 10 years ago. So I wouldn't be out of the question, but I hope not. But it's definitely a possibility, though. Reigns is going to beat everybody and lose to uh, Dean Ambrose. <laughs> it's, it's definitely yeah, possible. I would love to see <laughs> Ambrose cash. And there's so many possibilities <laughs> on Sunday, hence why I'm so excited for it. It could be... Very well, one of, if not the greatest show in uh, in years, so we'll say. Yeah, or somehow, you know, Brock comes back, gets back in that title picture, and, you know, if if Reigns beats Brock Lesnar, I give up. <laughs> I give up. I give That's up. the thing. I think the worst-case scenario, like beating Rollins, AJ, Triple H, okay, I could, I'm, I'm not perfectly fine with that, but it's, a, it's whatever. If Lesnar somehow wins his UFC fight in July 9th, like, oh, my God, he's the most legitimate athlete of all time. Now he dominates. He dominated Dean Ambrose at WrestleMania. He wins the UFC uh, 200. He wins the return fight, only to lose the Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. Oh would God! Be ridiculous. Never. Brooklyn would blow him out of the building. <laughs> with with real punches being thrown in UFC, and then Brock Lesnar goes down to the Superman punch. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Try 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 that exactly. one in, in Brooklyn for SummerSlam. Try that one. <laughs> Get a riot. Um, real quick, so I guess you know Brock is uh, going to UFC 200. Um, your, 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 quickly, your thoughts on that, and does the whole thing about if he loses would tarnish the reputation and the aura persona of Brock Lesnar? Do you even care about that? Like one, your thoughts about him going back for the for the for the fight, and two, win or lose, does it really help or or or, or hurt him? I'm excited. I mean, needless to say, I'm pumped for this. I mean, I think it's huge for WWE. It gets a lot more exposure, I heard. They're having UFC 202 over SummerSlam weekend, and I think that show is designed to be like a huge, pretty much a promo for SummerSlam that weekend, which is amazing. And then, you know, he's a contracted WWE superstar fighting the UFC. It gives UFC what should be a huge buy rate for the big 200 show. Their biggest buy rate of all time was UFC 100 with Brock Lesnar in the main event, so or on the card anyway. So I think it's a big win-win deal for both companies, but... In regards to whether he loses, if it hurts WWE, I would say it depends how he loses. Like, if he gets knocked out a minute and a half and he's made to look like a total schmuck, it might hurt Brock Lesnar. Not, never, not WWE. It's not going to hurt WWE whatsoever. It's only going to help them financially. Lesnar, he can come out on, Raw, on Monday's Raw and dominate Heath Slater, and he's going to be fine. Like, he's always going to be that. He's, always, he's still a bigger star on his worst day than 90% of the roster right now. So, I mean, I would love it if he wins. If he wins, it's going to be huge for the company. But if he loses, you know, in a strong showing, even by decision, he'll be just fine. And lastly, uh, SmackDown goes live next month, July 19th. Uh, the potential brand split is coming. Uh, your, your quick thoughts on that. And um, who are, you know, if for Raw and SmackDown, I know Raw's three-hour SmackDown is going to be two, but if, if you were doing the draft, who are, like, the main three guys that should be on Raw and the main three people that should be on SmackDown? Well, for the draft itself, the brand split itself, I think, I think it's a huge opportunity for the entire roster. I don't think anyone's going to be really harmed by it. I think it only creates positive opportunities for everyone involved. I mean, we might get half the roster on Raw for three hours, which is kind of an issue, but hopefully can work on that. I don't think Raw's come back in two hours. There's another discussion for another day. But in terms of who goes to each show for SmackDown, I would say Cena has to be on SmackDown. I think regardless of who goes where, Cena on SmackDown to really endorse that show and then Reigns on Raw. And if you have Reigns on Raw, Cena on SmackDown, SmackDown I would put Styles on there too as their lead heel. Kevin Owens as well should be their top three. On Raw, I would keep Rollins and Reigns on Raw. Rollins, Reigns, you can have Ambrose be another top guy. Uh, Cesaro on SmackDown, I would do that. I would keep the Shield guys on Raw and then do Ambrose, Sami Zayn, Cesaro, Cena, and Styles all on SmackDown. would be my rosters. Okay, and real quick, Stephanie or Shane, does it matter who... Uh, is the GM uh, SmackDown or Raw, or do you feel like one should be more suited for the other? Yeah, I don't think it really matters either way. I'm fine with either either one running Raw or SmackDown. I mean, Stephanie has 
experience running SmackDown and storylines, so I'd be fine with that. Shane, I'm just excited for the idea of him as a GM. So regardless of how they split it up, it really doesn't matter. As long as the shows are equal, that's all that matters to me. Where do you put Brock Lesnar? Oof, that's rough. To that me, rough. I, I, I think... Mean, I think I guess if he's going to be involved... I, well, think, I mean, I guess if he's yeah. going to be involved in it, I would keep him on Raw, but it would be huge if he's on SmackDown. I mean, I could see him coming back since he's part-time anyway. And then when they draft the first one into effect, they just had, you know, Rock come back like every once in a while, like on Raw and SmackDown. Same thing with like Hogan and guys like that. So I guess it really doesn't matter. But if they do assign him to a brand, I guess Raw just because he's the biggest star they have and he's got to be on the flagship show. I don't know. But either way, I'm fine. You know, he, he dominated SmackDown 10 years ago. So it's going to be a win-win either way. Yeah, I would say uh, SmackDown would be good because that's where he was a long time ago. Paul Heyman was running SmackDown a long time ago. So... Um, I don't know who's going to run Raw SmackDown. I just hope that whoever it is between uh, Shane or Stephanie or somebody from the outside that we don't know about, uh, just run SmackDown to really be competitive up against up against Raw every 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 weekend. I know it's two hours up against Raw's three, but if you want to do the brand split and make this thing live, um, don't portray it as the B show. Let's have that competition amongst each other. And really present SmackDown as the you know the one A or the one B um, compared to Raw. But Graham, always great talking uh, with you. You're on Twitter at WrestleRant. Um, let the fans know where they can read your work and all the stuff that you do um, online. Well, thanks, Randy. As always, like you said yourself, I'm on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant. Facebook is Graham Gibson Matthews. Pretty much just type in Graham Gibson Matthews in Google, whatever. You'll be able to find my stuff. I write for Blizz Report, What Culture, hit it from my own website, nectarwrestling.net, which has got all the reviews, podcasts, with the WrestleRant Radio. I'm all over the place. Like I said, just type in Graham Gibson Matthews, and you're good. Um, but, yeah, that's like I said, it's been great talking to you, Randy. I can't wait for Sunday's Money in the Bank. Thanks again for having me, and I'll be uh, sure to catch you down the road. Graham, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, brother. I'll see you soon. All right.